0: Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Quality Matters brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. So I am Kyle Chambers, and today we have another guest on the podcast. This is Robert Mims. Uh, he is with the company uh, ThermoTemp, and they handle virtually everything for calibrations. And he can tell you a little bit more about it. But we got to talk in here a while back about different ideas around uh, metrology and measurements and just our own casual conversations were a ton of fun and I've been dying to get Robert on the podcast. So, Robert, say hello, welcome to the Quality Miners
1: Podcast. Well, thank you for having me on for sure. Um, yeah, no, our conversations have always been a blast and uh, <laughs> the, the the calling for it were like, hey, can you answer this five second question? You know, an hour and a half later, we're like, hey, we actually have yep. to get back to work. <laughs> uh, uh, yep. But a little bit about me. I'm, uh, my name is Robert Mims. I work at a company called ThermoTemp, like Kyle said. Um, I'm a dimensional metrology specialist, which means that I focus very heavily on um, the, the, the length measurement of things. So whether very mm-hmm. small or very large, finding interesting and um, clever ways of, of uh, yep. making those measurements the most accurately and affordably as possible.
0: So. and people probably think about it like well measurement it, it's easy it's you just you know how big it is right <laughs> you just put the caliper on it you get the tape measure on it like yeah what else is there uh the the background of what i do is so much
1: more complex and and deep than that <laughs> because um one of the things i do is i teach a class called calibration theory where you know every, mm-hmm. uh, we talk about how there's uh the act of taking a measurement is actually an experiment you you don't mm-hmm. actually have um, and you have to quantify all of these other parts to it um, in order to actually talk about true accuracy. And there's no such thing as a true measurement and that's it's a it's something a lot of people don't talk about a lot of people don't think yep. about. So, yep. yeah, no, the the back end of what of, of <laughs> what happens in the back of my mind when I'm telling a customer, I think this product will work for you or or this is the right tool for your job is okay, let's trace it back how how are we how would it get calibrated? how would it get worked on? where does the traceability of that happen and and all of that And
0: I I don't have near the experience obviously in this role that you do, but uh, you know this is something I, I've had to run into and deal with a number of times and and I know if just from my limited scope in this world, the problems I can run into I, I can only imagine what it is for some organizations. Oh, so like yeah, I mean we um, company worked for before we, we got really tired of uh keeping up with the annual uh calibration for the countless numbers of uh micrometers and gauges and veneers and all sorts of stuff that we had because we had a lot of welders that used their own personal tools yeah and that's a whole other debate personal tools company-owned tools pros and minuses to it whole other topic for another day um, but, uh, so what we came up with is a system for having them do a spot check. And so what we would do is have them check it that morning to make sure it's good. And when I first put this into place, I thought, wow, oh, man, this is a snap. This is easy. They just go up, check it. Yeah, it's good. And, and I found that real quick. It's not that simple.
1: No. And, and imp- implementing something like that, like, you know, you know, from the quality side, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we do in the quality or, or metrology world is about risk. Yep. It's about managing risk. And, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the measurement world, we call that risk uncertainty. Yep. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, by implementing this, how am I changing the the measurement, mm-hmm. the final measurements, how am I continuing to make it traceable? All those things. So, yep, yeah, no, you're, there's, there's, it's a viable. A topic we've, talk,
0: yeah. we've talked about on the podcast before is like, uh, and this is just kind of one of the famous examples in the quality management world. Uh-huh. Um, of course, anyone that, doesn't, you know, live by Dimming and Duran may not have heard about it. Um, but, uh, you know, who, who doesn't, I mean, everyone's got like Dimming and Duran in their home library, right? Maybe not. Um, I but, uh, so what, <laughs> what, uh, what, what he talks about is how, um, uh, Ford Motor Company in the seventies got invited to go tour Toyota's facility. Yeah. And so, you know, they go through a whole lot of details and it. it's a fun story. But at the end of it, the Ford executives are looking around the production floor at the final assembly and they're dumbfounded because there are no rubber mallets. And they're like, where's the rubber mallets? You're just completely dumbfounded because the door, while it fits the car, didn't fit perfectly. Yeah. And so they would tap, tap, tap on the door until they could get it to fit perfectly so that it closed properly. And they were blown away that Toyota didn't need the rubber mallets to tap it all into place. Yeah. And what they said is we design it to fit. Now, that's more of an, an argument about tolerances and whatnot. But this, it, it's, it's a very similar type thing. It's like, how much am I allowed to be off here? Because you're never going to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, something as simple as temperature variation or in my case, what I found is guys don't know how to put the caliper on there straight. They they think they're putting it on there straight, but they're cockeyed a little bit, and they get a weird measurement. Yeah. So when, you. yeah, no, a hundred percent.
1: When you when you when you start talking about uncertainty, which is essentially what you're you're talking about, uh, especially measurement, which obviously mm-hmm. there's that in manufacturing too, but all that comes back to man measurement, and we can go down yep. that train a thousand miles. But that, <laughs> you know, there's so many variables, and and yep. you know when we talk to most companies. You know, if they're not a calibration lab, you know, when I teach, I say, you know, we pick three. Mm-hmm. What do you think are going to be your three biggest contributors and test those? Yep. And always, I say, top three, you always have to do proficiency testing. How is mm-hmm. that guy measuring compared to everyone else? Yep. Um,
0: but the that was what I learned the hard way I had to do yeah yeah so part of part of the onboarding for all of our new welders was you know after they went through my little safety orientation and whatnot i'd take them out to the shop yeah. and i'd take them to the little spot check area and i'd have them grab a caliper and I'd say all right i want you to measure that block 10 times yep and and i just think can you get it can you get the same measurement 10, 10 times, 10 in, a times a in a row No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> think it's a row no exactly no brainer but it's not <laughs> I I just
1: recently was invited out to a company um who was uh, applying to do additional work. So they were a very simple machine shop. Tape measure, scale, ruler sure. uh type shop. Um yeah. who did like gaskets. Mm-hmm. So big, mm-hmm. not uh, super precise but very yeah. you know big metal gaskets.
0: Well, and... even then when you get to a certain scale that that tolerance becomes such a smaller percentage of the entire thing temperature variation is more than that correct but again that goes into what you're talking about with the uncertainty and how much what's our risk here
1: yeah and but but talking to the proficiency testing they hired me and paid me money to come out and teach them this micrometer and caliper course i developed for them uh Mm -hmm. we now offer it along with a couple of our others on our website which i've sent you the link to already
0: yeah Uh, and we'll make sure all of that's in the show notes So just anyone listening you're like man i I'd like to learn a little bit more. We're going to have the information in here. And Robert is like the best guy to talk to, to learn about it. So definitely something to check out.
1: But the reason I mentioned that is because I, I come into this machine shop and these guys have been machinists for, I mean, they're, they're not young guys. They were, they were no. older gentlemen
0: for the most part and all the media, very age of machinists and Welders is in their fifties. Yeah. Which is actually kind of scary. I mean, what happens 10, 20 years from now when we ain't got folks to replace them. Yeah. And but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's a different that's a totally different <laughs>
1: conversation. can uh, have my doom and gloom conversations later. No, yeah. we have uh, but I handed them a dial caliper and and they didn't mm-hmm. most of them didn't even know that there's a printed scale on the caliper. So I don't know really? if I have one within reach right now, but on every uh caliper mm-hmm. there's a, a printed scale. And I was like, this is how you tell what the, the measurement is, and they were like, Oh, that's way simpler than what I thought it was. And I was like, OK, <laughs> and then I was teaching a vernier and they were having issues. And I was like, it's really fascinating to me know you guys have been doing this a long time. This isn't a, a negative towards you. You've obviously done your job well or you wouldn't be working here yep. for 30 plus years. Um, but to me, as a person who studies this specific subject, um yeah. i don't even use the tools every day for the most part what i do is mm-hmm. pick up though this is an older edition but i got like seven editions of the metrology handbook and different books <laughs> like this and
0: um i always love how the handbooks take the whole daggum hand the whole oh yeah right It's like twice as big as the bible well this is
1: this edition and this is the previous <laughs> edition hold on
0: <laughs> yeah it, yeah
1: it's a it's fascinating to me. I, I pick these up and people are like, how do you read those? And and I was like, are you kidding? You read them in sections. You go, yep. I have a question. You go read a section of it to get yep. the, and it reads like a textbook. It's kind of bland and boring. Yep. And it's about extrapolating and highlighting and taking notes and all that boring <laughs> stuff. But um, I'm currently working right now through uncertainty and pressure testing, hmm. which I I'm definitely not an expert in. I'm just now getting into like deep into <laughs> uncertainty um yep. and the more i learned the more i realize i have no idea what's going on
0: i've done a little bit on the the back half of that with uh pulling vacuum for vacuum uh, heat treat furnaces yep. and even then it is amazing y- you can do the exact same process twice and mm-hmm. you get a different result you do it a hundred times you get you get 50 different results and,
1: and how is that and how what it, where is the error inherent in the system uh i know and and that's uh, to me, you know, in in what I do and how I operate, it's a lot about study and learning. So to me, mm-hmm. I'm I'm always digging why. Let's find out yeah. why.
0: And uh, well, I, you know, I've talked about this before. You are mentioning Vernier. So this is something I had to deal with once before. We had these incredibly large veneers. Like, I didn't uh, even know stuff like this was made till we purchased it. Yeah. Right. And so it went from like 96 inches up to 120 inches. And, mm-hmm. and we, this was a turbine shop. So we would use this to measure like the difference across some of the compressor blades and things uh-huh. of that nature. And if you don't know anything about power generation turbines, these are enormous, oh, yeah. enormous pieces of equipment. Right. Yeah. So think about like the, uh, it's similar to the jet turbine on an airplane, but 10 times as big. Yep. Right. And so we had these veneers and, uh, you know, they only have a one inch travel on them. Right. Yep. But they have these massive standards that you check them against. And so we needed to get the standards. You you can't see calibrated veneer, but we would have the standards checked. Correct. And then we'd have the veneer checked against the standards. And so we sent them off to, uh, get calibrated or uh, verified, whatever. they're. See, I get confused my own terms here sometimes. And, uh, we what we decided to do is send off like every other inch increment Mm -hmm. that we wouldn't send out everything at once. Okay. And so we sent everything out and half of them came back bad. Yep. And we're scratching our heads. Like there's no way half these standards are bad. Mm -hmm. And what we figured out is the shop that they were in, they were stored in the shop was really hot. Yeah. Their, uh, van, they did try to do this on a mobile van and their mobile van is very cold. And these things are so big that 24 hours wasn't enough time for them to normalize. And so just the temperature difference after 24 hours sitting in the air-conditioned environment was still not enough to get an accurate measurement.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the fascinating things when you – so when you're doing uncertainty measurements, there's a very simple mathematical equation for coefficient of expansion, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. change in uh, original length times coefficient of expansion times the – Uh, the change in temperature uh, Mm -hmm. from 68 degrees. So difference in temperature between two spaces. And, uh, but if you get deeper into the physics of it, you actually get into one that includes time as a variable, which creates Mm -hmm. a curve that shows the expansion. And it's funny because the 24 and 48, it's like a Sigma one and a Sigma two. So you're talking like you know 68 mm-hmm. percent of the changes happened in one day and 95 percent of yep. the changes happened on the second day and yep. a lot of people are just like why am i waiting
0: i can't yeah. see a difference yes and, and you can't but you're not measuring so <laughs> fine that the human eye can pick it up yeah uh, like it's you're measuring <laughs> you're measuring such small
1: you know oh, i was yeah. i was a cmm technician for a while yeah. um so I, I got my start I'll give everybody a little history i got my start in sales Um, met a gentleman who brought me in, I was selling Comcast business class, said, do you know anything about calipers? And I went, no, what's a caliper?" Yeah. And he goes, okay, do you know what a micrometer is? And I was like, no, what's a micrometer? And he was like, well, I like your spirit. And I was like, okay. (laughs) He goes, do you like learning? I said, yes. And he said, okay, uh, I want you to come sell stuff for me and uh got me into dimensional metrology i worked for him for well four or five years for for me quite a long time and yeah. uh and by the end of it he was teaching me cmm he was paying for me to get cmm training and all of this
0: stuff and now maybe not everyone here knows so talk talk about what a cmm is okay
1: so a cmm is a coordinate measurement machine um mm-hmm. So behind me is a 3D printer. Well, one of my many 3D printers. Uh, <laughs> this one's currently a work in progress. I'm rebuilding from the ground up. But um, oh, fun! Uh, if you imagine a 3D printer, which is essentially a robot that moves in three axes that you can program, uh, mm-hmm. uh, CMM is a 3D printer that measures things. They've been around right. for decades and decades and decades. Very and it just precise. kind of moves
0: around and tracks the coordinates and
1: everything. Yeah, and, and it comes in and takes points and then creates a data cloud from that. And then from the data cloud, it can create a 3D. Uh,
0: so way can measure things in three dimensions without yeah. having to take 10,000. 10, and, will... and automatic. Yeah. So things like okay, true so...
1: position are right. very easy to do on a CMM, where in other formats, they are much more difficult to do.
0: Yeah. Um, so, are... okay, so you got involved in, you know, working with the CMM there.
1: Yeah. So I was a technician. I was a calibration technician, a repair technician. Um, and I've done oh, this cool. for a lot of higher end products in my career. True. Um, but yeah. So after I got out of sales, I came into, I went in to be a technician for several years huh. and really went kind on of the opposite track. Kind of. I I, I was, <laughs> I'm a nerd. So I, I picked up, if you can't tell by the Darth Vader painting behind me, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Uh, I I sat down and I was uh, kind of looking at my career and I was given an opportunity to become a technician. Uh, well, actually, I was told by a company, we want you to come work for us. What do you want to do? Hmm. Um, and I said, they said, you know, we have an open sales position for you. And I said, I'd really like to be a technician. And they were like, well, what technician experience do you have? And I went, I don't. And they were like, yeah. that's fine. We'll train you. And so cool um from my sales experience i was able to kind of show that i understood the product had enough product knowledge had everything to be worth training as a technician and kind of worked my way in that field for well three or four years at different companies and um and got a huge amount of knowledge that i could never have gotten a huge amount of experience i never could have gotten um yep but because of that you know my brain works in three dimensions in very small numbers oh this machine's <laughs> off by five microns that's unacceptable and people are like five microns how big is that And i'm like about a third of a human hair and they're like <laughs> i don't think we measure that accurately what is that in, in imperial and i was like oh, about the hundred millionths and they're like or no, sorry, yeah, about uh, it's not a lot. It's a very small no. number, and they're like, yeah. we measure in the tenths. and I was like, no, but this machine needs to be bright. <laughs>
0: yeah, and so yeah,
1: going through and trying to figure out where <laughs> things are wrong in this, you know, two meter by two meter machine to figure out where an air bearing has too much air or something like that that's causing yep. an inherent error, um, really gave me a a a love of the math and the oh, the deep stuff, and that's kind of where I yeah. got my. They just kept diving and diving and diving.
0: So <laughs> that's you know, not the same, but kind of similar path with uh me with quality is I was a computer geek. I was happy doing it. Yeah. And I uh I worked myself out of a job and they're like, You wanna do safety? I was like, Health and safety. I was like, I remember my dad talking about that as a kid. Um, sure, I think there's something called OSHA. And so when I remember I first started doing my Google search to yeah. find out about OSHA and I tried to spell it like ocean. Cause I didn't realize oh, it was an acronym. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so that, that was, that was my starting, starting point. But it, it was the same thing. It's like the more I get into it, the more I'm like, okay, okay. Th- this makes sense. And I think yeah. this is kind of where you and I are on the same page. Is this is what I love about quality is it's all traceable. Nothing oh, just yeah. happens. Correct. Like, just as yeah. a four letter word in our home. Yeah. Like, well, it he just hit me. He just this it just that it just broke. Nothing just happens. There's an input and there's an output. Wow. Yep. There's something in between. Exactly. Let's talk about that in between. Why did that happen? Yeah. What went wrong? But but I don't um, want to talk about that. That isn't where I was. What <laughs>
1: I, <laughs> that doesn't support my story. <laughs> Sorry, I got kids, too. <laughs>
0: I got right there. Yep.
1: And, uh, yep. uh, on point with you. But, but we yeah, have, and so
0: I just yeah. I love that that traceable process, and and it kind of came natural to me anyways. From uh, you know, the IT world, like if you've got a bug in a program, it it didn't just go wrong, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got something wrong in the code, one of your variables, one of your inputs, something isn't right. There's some operation going on. You get the daggum semicolon when you should have a comma, like yeah. whatever it is, and it's it's this similar. It's the same thought process, just different ways of going about it.
1: Yeah. So we're, I, I've just barely stepping my f- feet into the quality world. It's mm-hmm. funny to me that when I was younger, they were very tied, a quality yes. and I, not growing up, but in this industry, 15 years ago, Yeah, um, mm-hmm. because I worked with quality managers and I right. didn't realize what their job really entailed. And yep. I was a calibration not technician i was selling tools for measuring mm-hmm. things so i thought oh yep. those two must go together uh, yeah
0: and it's the quality guy that buys it nine times out of ten nine times out of ten
1: and yeah and one of my biggest things i realized is that the quality guy doesn't actually know isn't taught isn't shown he says nothing i need it the guy says i need a caliper what caliper should i is the cheapest okay that one will work um guilty yeah no and everyone <laughs> is <laughs> I mean, not everyone can spend their lives focusing on a topic as like, there, there isn't, I'm not going to say there isn't room. Everybody should have more knowledge about mm-hmm. metrology, um, especially in the manufacturing world, especially mm-hmm. in the manufacturing world. I would, I would encourage most owners of companies to learn more about it just because mm-hmm. um, the quality of product you put out at the end is so affected and, mm-hmm. and you know i've seen companies where between 40 and 60 percent of the manufacturing time is spent trying to measure
0: something yeah and, and you're paying you know well, man and hours and do, like final inspections i mean oh my gosh we would check because we, you know, we're the company I came from before we did a lot of remanufacture on this yeah. thing. So it's not like we get to make it brand new. Now, once we finally got an EDM in there, we got a little more in the true mm-hmm. manufacturing side of things. But up till then, it was let's get our ba- best ad gum welder and our best machinist on it and see what we can figure out. Yeah. And so, final inspection, we may take a 100 measurements on this thing. Yeah. And so, you talk about opportunity for something to go wrong. And then, little things that I found out the hard way is how quickly these metals can wear out. And especially because the alloys and coatings we use, I mean, these coatings are incredibly, incredibly tough. Yeah. And it'll just wear down your measurement equipment. Yeah. And so you think you're getting a good number, but that that was part of why we put the spot check in place. Yeah. Is they just wear down the measurement equipment and have no idea. Yeah. And so suddenly they're, they're 10% off. Yeah yeah and carbide i
1: mean that was the whole reason for the like uh, what was it five ten years ago somebody came in and was like we're gonna make every tool with carbide and and it it was an added thing it was like carbide inserts and and don't get me wrong they've been around for a while but now you see every manufacturer has a carbide you know carbide micrometer carbide
0: calipers um because yeah well what would tick me off is the welders and i see this with some of our clients as well is welders will love to scribe with a caliper. And I totally get it. You scribe it, you get you get a good accurate yeah. number. But I'm like, once once you scribe with that caliper, don't ever use it for an inspection again. Yeah, that, it's now scribing. Yeah. That's its purpose yeah. in life. And I really upset one guy once because he, uh, man, he oh, these guys are going in debt on the Snap-on truck. Oh, I mean, yeah. half their paycheck disappears on Snap-on. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I was like, I will buy a tool if you need it. Like, yeah, no, 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 what my Okay, whatever. So he had a lot of really expensive, probably more expensive it ought to be snap on equipment. And here he is scribing on all of it. And I'm like, You don't get to use that no more, buddy. Yeah. Get us simple spring <laughs>
1: calipers. They make scribing calipers. And people people uh uh underestimate I mean they make a tool for it and they're not crazy expensive, 50, 60 mm-hmm. bucks. And all you yeah. do is you take the you set the measurement on a caliper or using a steel rule and you know, kind of sh- yep set the exact measurements you want and then describe it and it's yep it's cleaner faster and you're not damaging your tools because one burr i mean that's all it takes
0: yeah i mean it doesn't take a
1: thousandth of an inch is a very small thing
0: (laughs) i know um and and people get caught up on like but it's only ten thousandths i've only got you know i'm only dealing to a hundredth here why does that matter i'm like well if this one instance was the only measurement maybe it doesn't matter but You know, your machinist is taking measurements before he puts it in the machine. The machine has little fixtures and sets that they've got to hold it in place. And those were measured to make sure they're correct. Well, what if each one of these devices is off by the same amount? Like by the time you get to the finished part, it has been indirectly measured 50 times. So you're compounding error upon error upon error upon error. And all sorts of problems go on. I would be fascinated
1: to see like what a compound, what the compound uncertainties would look like on something like a final product that something like that, because you're right, you're, you're touching it a lot of times. And you know, Mm -hmm. how is this, you know, you wouldn't be able to know really what it was unless you made 10 of them and sent them to NIST and spent $10,000 doing the testing and went through the whole process. But, um, at the same time, like there's an amount of, Oh, how well do we actually make these parts? And you see yep. like those videos of the two pieces perfectly going together. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that is
0: so cool.
1: Every part of how me do who you do that? Enjoys measurement is like that. Yeah. That's the
0: goal. <laughs> that's I, I, it blows my mind and it seals. You can't see nothing. Yeah. I'm like, how, and how the heck do you that?
1: find that air layer must be
0: in between them? Oh my gosh. Because they come no back kidding.
1: apart. Yes. And, and,
0: yes. Because if you because if there wasn't the air between, they would spot weld themselves they, yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. Immediately when
1: you started yeah. to drop it.
0: Yes, and well, I guess that's something else that a lot of folks don't realize either is if you truly have a vacuum, two pieces of uh, I guess uh, molecularly compatible metal touch each other, they will instantly weld to one another. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you it, yeah, it, it blows so my that mind. That is,
1: what is the name of that type of welding? Cause there's an actual I, cold joint welding or something like that, where they, I, I, they, I they create a vacuum and push two pieces of like finely ground metal together. And they like,
0: yep. They just, it's crazy. They instantly, me. Yeah. Yeah. But if it is, if it's, if it is, if it is flat enough and there's nowhere in between that metals just are right together on a molecular and, level,
1: yep. like they were never separated. Yeah. yeah Yeah. that's and that's and i guess at the end of the day that's where i get excited is how do we get to the next stage you know when i when i'm teaching one of the things i tell people is you know when we study calibration especially we are studying one of the most important aspects for technology advancement in the world because if you can't measure it you can't make
0: it no and things are getting so incredibly small i mean like we are you know we're butting up on the uh uh, computer side against the limits of you know to quantum mechanics like yeah you can't make circuits smaller than we're making no because the electrons will just freely travel if we get any smaller well and
1: that's the whole point is we're getting to a point where we're measuring the size of electrons yeah um like that's exciting like that's, that's a you- level of deep dive that you just don't I, don't get me wrong. I tell people all the time if I could, if I could get a tour of SpaceX's calibration facility, I don't even like. Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. I want to see the the ships and I want to see all that. Yep. yep if yep. I could just, even if all I got was somebody to just walk me through <laughs> and explain to me, like their process, because they're doing some cool stuff
0: over there. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, when I left my old company, I was oh gosh, I was so mad because like a month after I left. They finally got the approval for a scanning electron microscope. Oh! And I told them like I just want to come in and play with it for a day. Can, can I just let it? me just let me explore and understand <laughs> it a little bit? But you know, it's something we've been working on for a couple of years, yeah. and it was for some different metallurgical things yeah. that they were they were checking and whatnot like the metrology oh. or not metall- metallurgy. Mm-hmm. And what they did, it's fascinating. But it ultimately boiled down to we've got to take certain measurements, and they're taking it down to the granular structure of the alloys yeah but yeah i was so like oh man we've been trying for this years so y'all get it as soon as sure. i leave and and it's
1: so funny to me because metallurgists are like the next step they're they're yeah. on so much smaller of a level than what i because i look at whole processes and working yep. through stuff but i got i got to tell you this story and i know this is sure. a, an adjust a, an, a, a, a quick change of subject but yeah, you no, will appreciate this, I think, more than most. <laughs> and I waited to tell you this for for this stream. Okay. But we were doing some uh, research because we're as a calibration company, we get sent stuff that maybe we don't have the data for. So mm-hmm. I am often pulled in um, by our lab manager. He says, "Hey, Robert, can you help me? Um, we don't have a uh, major diameter for this no-go plug." And I'll say, okay. Okay. Cool. Uh yep. let me just go find the ask me spec. Let me go in and dive into mm-hmm. it. I went in, did the math for him, sent it to him and he goes, "Yeah, that isn't what this is." And I went, "What? Is it just bad?" Mm-hmm. He goes, "I don't think it's bad. I think that your numbers are wrong." And I was like, oh, "That doesn't make sense. Like I I kind of know what I'm doing. I mean, I'm not right. I not be don't get me wrong. There are a lot smarter people than me in this industry. I <laughs> then the more I learn, the more I realize I am I am just scratching the surface. But yep. Um so we he kept doing research and he he i went and saw him the other day and he goes oh i figured out that that unc question mm-hmm. i said oh yeah what was it he goes apparently every gauge company except for vermont uses a mill spec and vermont uses an ASME me spec and they're off by okay. 0.06 inches what and that people are yeah no exactly the, the response i had i was like you mean half of the people? Because Vermont's a very popular gauge manufacturer. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not small by any means. Yeah. Um, so half the people who trust Vermont, which I trust Vermont, um, would are building their gauge, their equipment, and testing it using this gauge. And half of them are building it and testing it with this gauge and failing stuff that this one would pass, and this one's passing oh stuff. Oh my that, gosh. And and my brain's like. We, we have, and then I went and looked at the ASME spec, and the ASME spec was, from my understanding, just from the quick look, because I'm not an ASME expert in any way, right um, it was written in like, 1985 and hasn't really had a change. Hmm. Like, it's still got the, the three punch holes in the order. <laughs> I was like, well, we need to update these specs because yeah. now we're looking at new ways of calibration, people calibrating mm-hmm. with CMMs, people, there's mm-hmm. a really cool new machine that ThermoTemp is thinking about getting in, Um that uses a whole different technology to measure threads. And we're running into issues with like API and all of these other things. And it's mm-hmm. been fascinating to me, this, um, this what is good metrology? Uh-huh. And what are our <clears throat> industry standards? yeah and we're fitting to match industry standards and how do we we need to do justifications and all this stuff and
0: well we've got um one client they do uh lots of uh threading Mm -hmm. and blew my mind the the same thread it's the same thread it'll work on the same parts yep but they've got licenses from multiple different customers yeah. For different manufacturing methods to yeah. create the exact same thread yeah. and people will request the different license mm-hmm. based on a particular application and that thought had just never crossed my mind. Uh, but I mean that yeah. you know suppose it does you get different hardnesses you get different um you know different ways that the uh, the grains and the metal lined up different wear patterns yeah you know different thermal expansions I'm like what are you doing never with it? I would have considered. Yeah. Yeah, all this stuff. And yeah. and I yeah. At one
1: point in my life, and like I'm not a manufacturing specialist in any way, but at one point in my life, I I did this like really quick deep dive into cold root rolling, which is a way of hardening threads, and I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll leave that. I that I, I have to, <laughs> I have to just I'm gonna dive really deep into this if I do it. So I'm just gonna pick right. it up and put it over here.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I gotta say that is the number one thing I regret <clears throat> since starting my own business. Yeah. <clears throat> is it used to be that I had the freedom and the liberty to just zone in for three or four days on a topic yeah. and just totally get lost in it. Uh-huh. And that's one thing I cannot do anymore. And that, that's probably my, my one big regret about starting a business is I just, I don't have the time to just dive yeah. into it for three days and then come onto my shell later.
1: when you go, <laughs> Hey, I wonder what this says. And you just pick up an ask me spec and print it out. And you're just like, (laughs) I'm just going to spend my evening just reading this uh, caliper spec. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Well, I did that not uh, long ago. Um, We're trying to put some additional cybersecurity features uh in place for our QMS software. Um, You know, they've got like all these, again... NIST, which I didn't realize this until, you know, not too recently, is NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology. Like, all of the blocks and gauges, and you can probably talk a lot about this, that that we use are ultimately, generally, traceable to some master that NIST has, right? No. They're all traceable to the SI. Um, Ah, yes. I, I, this is one of the the many uh,
1: American-centric, Americans... Uh, me being one of them, are very American centric. Yes. But the uh, and National Institute of Standards Technology is the National Metrology Institute of the United States of America. So if you're in Canada or you're in mm-hmm. South America, they're completely different traceabilities. So everything okay. is traceable to the SI because if you buy a machine from Switzerland, mm-hmm. it's traceable to the Swiss NMI, not to the American one. And okay. it's still traceable. Right, but you make that distinction for the simple fact that I like to prove that it's, it's a correction I just make to everyone at this point in my life. Yep. I'm just like, no, stop. It's traceable to the <laughs> SI. <laughs> and then make this quick explanation. Let's just stop there. But yes, everything is traceable. Sense. Well, continue.
0: Um, but yeah. So, um, oh jeez, now I lost my. Uh, you are talking about like... gauge blocks being calibrated by the
1: by NIST. Sorry, I interrupted
0: oh my gosh, this never happens, but my train just completely the You were looking
1: at traceability, oh, NIST, who, you were talking about your CMS software.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. And uh, so, I'm looking at it, and but uh, they have an entire series of standards for cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my wife, I, I'm sitting at home, and, you know, we just moved out to the country, right? Mm-hmm. So we got the big front porch, and the horses running around out there, and I'm sitting here with a binder, you know, drinking my coffee at eight o'clock in the morning she's like what are you doing i'm like oh, i'm reading cybersecurity standards she's like why are you doing that and i'm like well we need it but it's interesting and i'm just going through and reading it. she's like what are you marking i'm like well this is how we already meet this and this is how what we need to do here and and i just sat and read yeah, cyber three standards at the
1: end of the day you're such a quality guy <laughs> I, I was picking i picked up a. uh, uh so I w- during the writing of this class that I'm teaching, I was yep. uh, the the intro to calibration theory, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which by the way, let me just give a quick thing on that calibration. I teach calibration theory instead of how to calibrate stuff, for the simple fact that I your processes already tell you how to calibrate stuff. Yep. I teach you how to look at those processes, decide if they're working, and if they're any good, and if and if you need to change them.
0: Um, yep.
1: So that's why I don't teach calibration. I teach calibration theory. Anyway. Uh, but during that, I picked up something called the gum method. Have you mm-hmm. read that yet? The uncertainty gum Mm-mm. method?
0: I've heard about it, but uh, I haven't read about it's
1: it. It's like a 56-page free online. It, it exists online. It's done as a, a, a free booklet or whatever. And it's okay. about calculating uncertainty. Now, okay. I can sit and read these ASME specs all day long. I know mm-hmm. exactly what they say. They keep me interested. Yep. I nerd out on them.
0: But how'd they arrive at those numbers?
1: Yeah. Oh, exactly. But then I'm p- reading this uncertainty gum thing, and I fell asleep twice. Oh, really? the first time I'd ever read a technical document and just went... <laughs> <laughs> So some of them are more interesting than others, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: That's funny. That's funny. Um, oh, you know, I felt bad. We've, we've got a, a new hire starting today. Okay. And so I'm going through all the original, yeah. you know, kind of onboarding stuff with her. And I told her, I said, you know, the next couple of weeks is going to feel like drinking from a fire hose. We're going to go through and show you all this type of stuff. I said, but today, and I'm going to apologize in advance today. I want you to go through and read these standards. 9,001 Q1, Q2, so on. Like, Just read through them. Just make notes of questions you got, things that don't make sense. I said, and I apologize in advance. Go get some coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Might need a pot. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I love it, but I also recognize a lot of oddball. Oh, and
1: and that's what's beautiful, right? Like That's why you and I synergize really well, because I start reading quality documents, and I'm like, what? (laughs) It takes me a full day to write a Mm -hmm. procedure to calibrate one thing. Because yeah. my brain, I can tell you the math behind it, I can tell you why you want to mm-hmm. do it that way, but the, the like, technical step-by-step, how do you do it, mm-hmm. um, is very hard for me to write down in the type of precision mm-hmm. that that, for example, you found very easy. Um, yeah. you've also been really helpful to me in other ways. Like when I was talking about changing procedures, how should you address that? Uh-huh. And those things are like immediately in my class, I was just like, yeah. these are fantastic.
0: <laughs> I just need to
1: find somebody like you for uncertainty that just like understands it and wants to nerd out. And
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, once, I start getting that deep in the math, I, uh, I kind of just wash my hands of it and move on.
1: I, that's where it gets fun for me. And don't get me wrong. I, I come to this hundred percent, you know, picking up a book, reading it, learning how to do it. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this math. Let's look it up. Let's find mm-hmm. out what this means. Um, Coming to it completely from i I'm fascinated. Let's figure out how to do it.
0: And, and, and yeah, and that's how I am with the, uh, the quality side of things. I, 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 I tell you, that's, I, I've said this a thousand times before it's like, that is my absolute favorite part of this job. is I love to just jump into a new business. I may know next to nothing about it, but daggum, by the end of of the time we're working together, my goal is to know at least half as much as the owner of the business does about their own business. Like, I just love it. And there's a thousand ways to solve the same problem, right? Oh, yeah. But no, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Hey, we are about out of time. So go ahead and tell me a little bit more about this class. Okay. You know, how people can sign up for it. and. Kind of who's the the target audience for your class here okay so the primary
1: class that that i teach is intro to calibration theory um it is specifically designed to be accessible to anyone so owner of a business all the way through um inspectors machinists if the company wanted to invest that kind of time
0: and money into it so you don't have to be the engineer or something oh, to do and, it no Uber geek. Come
1: willing to learn is more important at the end of the day in this type of class setting then, um, then, then, then uh, the your job position or, or your background. Sure. Um, because we don't go super deep into math. Like when we cover yep. coefficient of expansion, we literally just say, "Here's what it is," so that you're aware of it. Let me do some math for you, so that you know, sure. or together, so that you get a concept of what these numbers mean. And then let's yep. just back off of it. There's no reason for it you to sense. to dive into it. Um, one of the... That could
0: have saved us a few thousand dollars with having to get all of these veneers, yeah. the standards, recalibrated.
1: Correct. And, and <laughs> 99% of the time, if you need to do that math, there's software out there that does it for you. Quality software, calibration software, mm-hmm. that you can have an attached, you know, two probes on and you can do that math very simply. And yep. um, to me, that is a simpler way to do it. So I'm not trying to say... You know, you come to my class. I'm gonna teach you. I'm gonna teach you how to ask the right questions, which is That's the right point. thing. And um, I wish I saw more owners of businesses in it. Honestly, if I was gonna do it, small machine shop stuff like that, people looking mm-hmm. to build really high quality products, because what you walk away from is a first of all respect for what it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also when you realize that people aren't doing what they're supposed to, like, if you go out mm-hmm. to your shop and your machinist is uh, using a caliper and you go pick it up and there's uh, the calibration sticker is bad. A lot of owners who haven't been through the quality side of business go, we just need to get this. Let, let me just go get a, stick. just Not, a sticker on it. Yeah, just get a sticker yeah. on it. Um, and that's yeah. they feel like they spend a lot of money on this sticker. They don't understand mm-hmm. the why behind it. Yep.
0: Um, you just save yourself tons of rework oh, a year or two down the road. Yeah,
1: or or in the worst cases, you have a, a bad gauge, understanding how gauges go bad, understanding all that stuff. Because if you draw the arcs for how a gauge wears, you can literally mm-hmm. pick almost to the day when the gauge is going to go bad. Like hmm. almost Makes to sense. the day if you track it properly. Yeah. Um, and all of that's covered in... I don't cover it deep
0: anything deeply because it's a one day class. But just get an idea of why yeah. did this all of a sudden go bad? It just went bad. Yeah. It just broke today. Yeah. No. No. There's you've a been whole train.
1: And then yeah. And then how to handle in in my head part of what it is is also why do we care if the tool is bad here at the end? You know, a lot of people don't do this, but in theory, every part from the last calibration to the current calibration is in is in flux now oh the customer's yeah. using it it's fine no like you could no. we have the most important job in the world things like the the ask me spec versus the mil spec scare the hell out of me
0: i know um <clears> and well w- we need to have you back on to talk about that last point because this is something that we run into frequently in the quality management world is if my gauge is bad today mm-hmm. how far back do i have an issue how do I know how far back I have an issue? What actions do I take? Yeah, we can so do a whole thing on that. <laughs> we need to talk about that. That is a question a lot of people get. And I'll be honest with you, I've not always had the best answers here. So I think this will be a real fun one to explore in uh, in, in more more detail. So that might be a it might, <laughs> and hey, we can do that up on here. Yeah. So okay, while we've got okay. the podcast audio format, I'm doing video now. So okay. you know we can tell folks, hey, we'll yeah. explain what's on the PowerPoint, but you you need to go look at the video. It's yeah. it's gonna be up on YouTube and Rumble. But so, how many days is your course? Are we talking about this? Just one like day. a month long class? No, one day.
1: I I'm a I'm a big fan of one day classes because. When you get into two and three day classes, don't get me wrong, eventually, I hope I have the understanding one day to teach uncertainty to people and teach all of that, which will be Mm -hmm. multiple day classes. But um, one day is enough where your brain starts to take in a concept, but isn't enough where you're like, I've been the student who's, I sit in the front of the class, I I pay attention, but even after eight hours, you're like... (gasps) What? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> of somebody yeah. Get a little brain dead after a while. Um, so one day is is kind of all, and usually it's it's the goal is eight hours, but it depends a lot on you know are people asking questions or people yep being involved, those sort of things matter. Um, but yeah, it's calibration okay. theory, and then we talk a lot about everything from. Um, we start with like the history of the metric system and the Imperial system and how everything's traceable, what it's traceable to all the way through uncertainty yep. and all of the things between it's kind of a, a comprehensive, this is what you're really dealing with. And a little yep. bit of the background and reasons behind it. Uh, now,
0: I smile so much there because our QMS bootcamp training, yeah. that's day one of our QMS bootcamp training yeah. as well. I actually cover a little bit about the metric system in it. huh Cover, um. Did you do know, Egypt? like how huh do you do the ancient egypt one yet no no
1: so the fact that in ancient egypt they had a quality system at the so the the pyramids were
0: built i touch a little bit on it i talk about the pyramids and i talk (laughs) about some of the how it started out in a craftsman type world right and you had the master printers relationship and you know how they guarded the stuff i don't go much more detailed than that
1: well, I, I can tell you the story later if you want, or I can do it now, but there's, there's a fantastic calibration story in the way that they built the pyramids to 0.02% of total overall accuracy across an entire pyramid, which is incredibly impressive 3000 BC. So no crap. Um, Yeah.
0: And it had to do with, okay. yeah, we'll do it later. We'll do we we, we got to do it later. Okay. I got to wrap up. Okay. But again, this is why I say, like, kind of like you opened with, yeah. we start talking and oh, it's an hour and a half later, like. We need to get back to other stuff. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and grab another time okay, slot, and yeah, sure. we will we will talk about uh, calibrations and you know what happens if you got a bad one, and we'll discuss Egypt uh, okay. a little bit sounds more. Good, sounds but, good. But um, man, it, it's awesome having you on here. So if folks want to find out more about the class, again, you know, we're gonna have that in the show notes. Their website they can go to.
1: Yeah, uh, I've sent you the link, uh, thermotemp.com has it. It's under, uh, there's a big banner that says metrology. Uh, We have a couple courses up and more to come,
0: hopefully. Make sure it's all there. So awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. You have a great day. You too, my friend. Have a blessed day. Awesome. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, that's it. We uh, are probably going a little bit longer on this one than, uh, than i like to, but you know, we're having a lot of fun with this longer format on the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. If you have not already, please make sure you click the like, <clears throat> subscribe button wherever you're listening or watching. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, YouTube, Rumble, and Tons of others I can't even remember now. So be sure to like, subscribe. We want to hear from you. So if you've got a certain request or anything that you'd love to have us talk about, be sure to leave a comment or leave us a review. But I hope you guys have a great day. And remember that quality matters.